Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Periodic Table, Episode 30, Boy Fat is Not a Big Tipper. Take the dollar and shut up. Recorded September 30th, 2012, and brought to you by Element Opie Productions, elementsopie.com. Episode 30. Once again, we are back for the 30th time to pollute your mind with meaningless fun. Dribble. Dribble. And because this is the 30th episode, I have to tell you that the 30th element on the periodic table with the the atomic number 30 is zinc. Zinc is a metallic chemical element, relatively abundant around the world. Uh, It's widely used in alloys, compounds. Uh, from sunscreen, the stuff that you see lifeguards wearing on their nose, to fine art, it says. Living organisms also rely on it as a valuable nutritional trace element. Pure zinc is bluish white and extremely brittle at room temperature. All right, that's good enough. And here this week, to tell you all the zinky goodness... I don't know, uh, are the co-hosts of the show, who I think we finally sat on these co-hosts for now, maybe. Mr. Aaron, former fat guy butler. Hiya, Aaron. I think this is going to be a wonderful show. Very good. And That's the best I got. Mr. Sean, I skipped out on the tightwad tech this week, Kaibo. Hi, Sean. <laughs> hey, how are you doing? Yes, I was puking. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not puking now, but I'm sure by the time we get through these uh, <laughs> all of these articles, I will be. Yeah, I nope. I, I was Number all 10. I was down here Monday night ready to do the show, and Sean had been like in the show notes. We were good to go, and I called him about uh, you know ten minutes before because I didn't see him, and he was like, uh, "Dude, I don't think I'm going <laughs> to be able to make it." That's what the mute button's for, man. <laughs> right, right. Please hold. <laughs> well, the, the the funny thing, funny story, uh, I don't know if I had told you this or, or not, Mark, but the week before, the Tightwad Tech made my daughter puke, apparently, because when I got done with the show, I I uh, found puke all over the house. So she's wow. the one that actually gave that to me. But yeah, uh, while I was recording the Tightwad Tech, she apparently had got up and tried to take care of puking on her own and that didn't go so well yeah as long as yeah. you know this is the appropriate show for this story when i was a kid about uh six seven maybe i got up in the, in the middle of the night had to throw up didn't quite make it to the toilet but made it to the bathroom puked all over the place then went back to bed about you know an hour or two later my mom got up to go to the bathroom we only had one in the house and she didn't turn the light on or anything and just stepped oh. in it and boom nice yeah and that's was, the definition of insult to injury yeah and by that point it was cold you know and yeah i can't imagine how disgusting that must have been my dad her. did that one time on a frog leaving for work early in the morning <laughs> stepped on a frog on the sidewalk <laughs> and just made a nice green and red schmear with an h schmear and uh you know feet flew out from under him landed right in the mess he went too wow happy. I was like, Mom, what's this out here on the sidewalk? You don't want to know. (laughs) Don't ask. Okay, so (laughs) let's jump right into uh, the show topics of the week. And the first uh, seven or eight of these are uh, supplied by our good friend Jim Beeson, 
sometimes co-host of the show, oft-times contributor, and uh, he made my life easier by providing about half the links in this uh, week's show. And so this one is called, I'm calling it, I Just Need to Find Myself. You know, I had a friend, what were you going to say, Aaron? Uh, yeah, before you, before you go on, I just want to say, um, thanks, Jim. Go ahead. Yeah. Appreciate you ruining my segue there. I'm sorry. It's all right. I, I really wanted to say thanks to Jim. <laughs> I did. I had a friend in college who said that uh, his wife got up one day and said, I need to go find myself and left. And that was like eight years earlier. And they were, it was from the hippie generation. Apparently that was a common thing for them to do. Just decide, I need to go find myself. Well, um, here's a woman in uh, Iceland who literally had to help find herself. A group of tourists uh, last Saturday night uh, near uh, the Elja Canyon in Iceland uh, were um, searching for a missing passenger. There was a tour group, a a bus. They had stopped uh, near the volcanic canyon, and one of the passengers uh, got off and changed clothes and kind of went to refresh herself and um, came back. And uh, a short while later, someone uh, had mentioned a missing passenger. And uh, they were all looking for the missing passenger, herself included. She was helping look for the missing passenger until about 3 o'clock in the morning when she realized she was, in fact, the missing passenger. <laughs> That's awesome. And she had spent hours looking for herself. That's, 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 that is fantastic. <laughs> you know, that's, it's, it's one of those things where you're elated to find that, you know, everybody's okay, and then you're darn ticked off to find that you've been looking for no reason. Well, and then, then, you know, at some point she had to go have that moment of, this has gone too far. I can't tell them now. <laughs> <laughs> Do we just keep looking and they never find her and write her off for dead? And by that time I'm gone home, and they don't realize it was me. You know, do I just keep pretending to look for myself? The article says you know, about 50 people searched by ter- search the terrain by vehicles and on foot. And the coast guard was riding a helicopter to help the search. I have to tell a quick lost kid story. When I was, in, I was teaching school, we went to, to a region band competition. Most of you are probably familiar with that. I'm assuming other states have it besides Texas, where you know you go compete against your fellow instrument mates to try to get a you know a chair in a regional or area or state level band. And I was driving the minibus, um, you know the the short bus, literally the short bus. And uh, one of the other band directors had his station wagon with a bunch of the instruments in the back of it, and. You know, I have a standing rule. Uh, you know, I youth pastored for several years and taught school. My standing rule is whatever vehicle you ride to somewhere in, you ride back in the same vehicle because it always causes problems if you don't. Absolutely. Right? So right. we're about an hour uh, into a three-hour drive back to the school, and I realize I haven't heard the voice of a certain kid that it's pretty, you know, a pretty talkative kid. And I said, Dan, um, is Jeremy asleep? And he said, no, Jeremy rode with Mr. Shaw. And I could see in the headlights of Mr. Shaw's car in front of him that there was four people in that car. And there was four people in it when we left to go down there. And we didn't have an extra person in the van or in the bus. And I said, no, he's not. (laughs) So this is before cell phone. So I flashed the headlights at Mr. Shaw, pulled over, went up there. Do you have Jeremy in here? No, I don't. Jeremy's still at the school. So, the best part was, <laughs> Mr. Shaw turns around, drives an hour back. It's been two hours by that point since we left. Jeremy's sitting out on the steps practicing his trombone by himself. He doesn't even know everybody's left. 
<laughs> he's just out on the steps by himself. There's still a bunch of people there. We were done fairly early. He's out there just playing his trombone. Mr. Jaws like, Jeremy, what are you doing? I'm just practicing. <laughs> we left two hours ago. Oh, dude. That's awesome. I changed the name to protect the innocence because I couldn't remember what the real names were. Right. Those are the kids that like, you know, back in the day, Darwin probably would have taken care of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had a, I had a same circumstance. We were in Florida, had like a caravan of five cars on a youth trip. And I gave in and said, yes, y'all can switch cars. You know, these two people want to get in this van and these two people want to go and get in the other van. And the other van was parked on the other side of the hotel. So they went to go get in the other van. And I pulled around to the front. The other car came up behind us. We had a caravan of four cars. We took off, went down the road about a half a mile, stopped at the gas station. And I looked at the other van as they pulled up on the other side of the pump. And I was like, where's Kara and Jason? They're like, I don't know. They were supposed to go get in your van. And I got in the van and turned around to go back to the hotel. We were only like a half a mile. And they're literally running down the median between this four-lane room, just crying, ah, don't leave us. (laughs) (laughs) I I couldn't get on to because I was laughing too hard. I mean, they're like 13, 14 years old. Jason, Jason and Kara, I can still see it today. Just, you know, tears, the, the flailing arm run, you know, where there's no form. They're just <laughs> swinging their arms for everything they're worth. And luckily we stopped and got gas or it may have been an hour or two before we figured it out. But it was, it was so funny. And speaking of toilets, <laughs> sorry, I, I was looking for a transition. I just couldn't I didn't mess that transition up. No, you didn't. <laughs> I'm calling this one so many dumb criminals, so little time. It seems like they're all over our shows every week. Uh, This one, I just have to wonder how anybody could imagine they could get away with this. Um, This is in uh, Windbur. Uh, Windbur, what state? Quick, I don't remember. Anyway, uh, Somerset County, if that helps, quick. Anyway, um, Bobby Clifford Smith the third because he's posh he's the third uh went into a um a hardware store i wasn't going to mention it but okay went into a lowe's because they don't pay us to mention it uh went back to the uh back plumbing area picked up an expensive toilet then carried it to the uh cash register and said i'd like to return this now first off let's give him an a for balls Okay, that's that's pretty ballsy, right? To just do that. <laughs> Show title, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> Give Aaron, me for balls. Are, are you keeping up with those? I've I got him. Up with those tonight. Okay. <laughs> uh, secondly, um, let's uh, let's not even consider the stupidity of the person who um, he walked up to because they actually gave him the money back six hundred and seventy seven dollars and thirty four cents. Funny, I saw this guy come from inside the store, but he said he bought it. He didn't have a receipt, but he looked honest. I, I don't, you know, I don't know. That's just dumb on so many levels. Gave him uh, a six hundred and seventy-seven dollar uh, gift card to Lowe's, and the man walked away. And then somebody said, "You know, that didn't seem quite right. Let's go look that up on the surveillance video." So that's the third point of the story. How dumb do you have to be to not know you're going to get caught doing that? And so Mr. Smith was uh, taken to Somerset County Jail after failing to post $30,000 in bail. $30,000 for a toilet. That was an expensive toilet. toilet. By the way, what's an up flush toilet? 
Um, you know, is it a toilet that'll that that'll flush from the basement up to another drain line or something? <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I don't know. I thought maybe that was a brand name. It's called Upflush. I don't know. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah. Upflush toilet. This is good radio. You Google that toilet. Upflushtoilet.com. Sanaflow. Upflush toilet. Seven hundred dollar toilet. It's got to be pretty decent. It's a macerating toilet system. Whatever that means. Oh no. No drains. No problems. <laughs> okay i'm just it is that's exactly what it is it's a it's a gravity pump it's a you know it it's you're in the basement you got to get it up to the main drain you got a tank that's behind the toilet you run your shower and your sink and everything to it and it pumps up to the uh pumps it out of the basement for you so that because i was wondering what kind of toilet costs seven hundred dollars yeah an up flush toilet an up flush toilet one that can push crap uphill at least it wasn't a masticating toilet. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't even want to know what that looks like. Uh, okay. And moving right along. This one uh, <laughs> this one ties into something we talked about last week. And I'm just going to say, I still don't get art. You know, I was I was very uh, forthright about that last week and said, you know, I'm just, I'm just not in... I don't understand the modern definition of art. Well, now... The Night Moves Strip Club in New York City is arguing that, uh, uh, excuse me, in Albany, New York, is arguing that uh, strip dancing and lap dancing is an art form. And therefore, since it's an art form, it should be exempt from uh, state and city sales taxes, as are uh, art exhibits and ballet shows. (laughs) So, So let me ask you this, Mark. What makes this not art compared to other dance? Just because they're naked. Yeah, well, that's the argument, right? And and yeah. if you read this article, it's awesome because there's a seven-judge panel debating whether or not a lap dance is art. They need to do more field research to what they're saying. <laughs> well, it does say that uh, uh, an expert witness was hired to, to go in and observe <laughs> and came out and said, yeah, that's art. And it was <laughs> darn fine art, let me tell you. Um but the the lawyer has an interesting argument. He says whether <laughs> whether it's art or not is not for the courts to say. That's that's not a legal judgment. Right. So the I'll, the court can't say if it's art or not. I love the single uh, the single sentence paragraph near the end of the article. A private lap dance goes for twenty dollars for three minutes at night. Moves a windowless building with a small stage and a pole. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, yeah, bring your own pole. Oh, sorry. Um, I, you know. I, I just don't get it, though. I mean, why is this even a big deal? That's kind of like a circular money flow is, anyway, isn't it? I mean, the taxes go to the government, then the senators turn around and go, go to, back to the, the strip bar. Yeah, right. Strip so don't get it. So, uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting argument. Uh, um, you know, it's dance, right? Uh, the, the, uh, the, you know, ballet is considered art, and therefore there is no sales tax. Um, the museums, there are no sales tax on museum tickets. Uh, so basically this, uh, this nightclub has been slapped with a $400,000 fine for back taxes and they got a clever lawyer to say, this is how we can not pay them. Um, yeah, the, the, the thing that I, that my concern, you know, I'm really not that worried about whether we get the taxes from it or not. I mean, but my concern is that then if you broaden the definition of art then where does the broadening stop 
Well, that was sort of my whole contention all along, is that the the more offensive it is, the more art- artistic it is. Yeah, that has seemed to be that in the past, yeah. I mean, that could, that could just be saying, I could say then that, that um, uh, let me think of a good example, that I am such a great driver that when I drive, it's art, and I'm not paying road taxes anymore. <laughs> I mean, if you've seen me drive, Mark, and you've seen me drive, you know it is. Well, I mean, not, okay. I, you know I, it, it's one of those things it, I'm going to have to say I don't get art. Um, or how about, how about this one? This one's even better. You know, my house, the way that I cultivate the soil and do my landscaping yes. and paint it and everything, that's art. So you shouldn't to. pay property taxes. Right. Uh, I, I, the, I'm going to paint a mural in the front of my house. Well, specifically, W. Andrew McCullough, the attorney for the uh, strip joint, told the Court of Appeals that uh, admission fees and lap dances at the club should be freed from state sales tax under an exemption that applies to, quote, dramatic or musical art performances. So there you go. Your house doesn't count there. But dramatic or musical art performances. And he said that lap dancing is an art form and that in any case, the state is not qualified to make dis, uh, such determinations and that making distinctions would be a violation of the constitutional right of freedom of expression. Yes. I think people should be free to express themselves in any way that's not totally idiotic. Yeah. I, you know, the, I don't know. I, it's just, I, I, it's crazy. I, I'm a strict constitutionalist, and I've st- made that point a number of times uh, on this show. Uh, a strict constructionist that you read the Constitution as it was written. It's not a living, breathing document that must uh, be nuanced for every time. Um, you can't and, put it. You can't put the Constitution in a corner, Mark. And <laughs> nobody and puts the Constitution in a corner. <laughs> the right to freedom of expression isn't there. That is something that lawyers have made up over time. Uh, you have the right to speak, the freedom of the press, and the free freedom of of personal speech those are the things that are guaranteed in the constitution art is not guaranteed in the expression throwing feces at a police during um a protest is not protected in the constitution we've we've stretched these things so far and so note that people yeah there you go it's uh, words to live by sorry i just i I got a little i'll get off my uh my constitutional soapbox now I well, mean, at least we right, know Mark. where you stand on <laughs> flinging poo. Yeah. On a soapbox. Yeah. <laughs> Flee, f- poo flinging is fine. Just don't call it a right. <laughs> Ploofing is fine. <laughs> wow, we went off the rails real quick. <laughs> well, this episode, so. <laughs> is, it, people do that in, in all the time. They take, they take uh, <clears throat> artistic license with the Constitution, you know. Um, and, and I'll try to apply it to, to get the, the problem is that we don't, we meaning the United States, a lot of times we don't want to stand up for the real rights that we have. And if, if somebody says something that challenges what we like, we get upset. But if somebody else that we agree with does something that is not allowed or covered in the constitution, like you're talking about, but we agree with it, then we're like, Hey, that's their constitutional right. right. And it's yeah. that same mentality that's that tells people it's okay to to murder an abortion doctor it's that same mentality let's take something that is true and stretch it and massage it until we can define defend anything yeah 
All right, I've yes. I've I've brought abortion into it. Next, Hitler is there, and then Gottlieb's law mm-hmm. will be uh, complete. The circle shall be complete. Uh, this mm-hmm. next one, first off, I just want to point out if you go to the link that cbslocal.com is using a WordPress site and didn't change the default WordPress icon. That's cheesy. <laughs> but wow. the, the actual article says um, it is Pittsburgh. Yes, in, in Pittsburgh, <laughs> um, in Point Marion, uh, a man uh, came home to find his daughter-in-law making dinner, and he wasn't happy with the way she was doing it. Uh, and and what's, it's fascinating, you read this article, and all the way through, it's about him. He was arrested. Uh, uh, the headline is uh, Man Facing Charges in Alleged Family Fight. Uh, you go all the way through, but then like almost the last, uh, well, maybe the fourth paragraph up, you find that she picked up a chair and threw it at him. Yep. So well, let's wait, wait, where'd that come from? We were just talking about an abuser here. And yep. now suddenly we find that what started it is he was griping about the food and the daughter-in-law picked up a chair and smacked him with it. Well, well I'll do the, li- I'll do the liberal read for you. This horrible, um, violent man came home and was immediately enraged by the fact that his vegetables were in the wrong kind of bowl and he stormed and screamed and threw a fit and then the his daughter-in-law hit him with the chair and then he went to jail <laughs> yeah, right. so, i mean that's kind of the way the article reads so the man uh his son and his son's wife are now all in jail uh because uh because she hit him with a chair and he had the audacity to respond well, and listen to this. Rome, the guy, was arrested, and so were the son and daughter-in-law, like you just said. He's in the Fayette County Jail on charges of assault and harassment. The other couple are in the Green County Jail on charges unrelated to the incident. Charges so, unrelated. Yeah, so I guess the cops came down, pulled warrants on everybody, and found out that she had tried to steal a toilet at Lowe's, and <laughs> they arrested Right. Him. But, you know, it's okay to hit somebody with a chair that's fine in Pittsburgh. So that's the moral of the story. If you're a woman in Pittsburgh, hit people with chairs as often as you want. And uh, if you go to jail, it'll be for an unrelated charge. It's your constitutional right, Mark. Yeah. Fortunately, no one was hurt. So yeah, she wasn't chair, very chair good. Chair throwing is, is an art. I don't think anybody <laughs> ever. <clears throat> that's a good one. I'm going to put that in. The yeah, you got to write that Everybody down. Everybody hold, please. <laughs> um, I don't think anybody should ever. Sorry, chair throwing. <laughs> is is and, and I'm, I'm OCD so I have to capitalize the right word it's saying art I don't think anybody should ever go to jail for assault if the person wasn't hurt well, that's an it's interesting assault. point it's attempted assault well yeah. attempted assault means you missed well, well there's assault and then there's battery in the uh, in the eyes of the law I know I just think that the, the idea of uh, you're going to go I'm going to send you to jail and press charges on you because you swung at me and missed yeah. I, just yeah. Quick story. Doesn't have anything to do with anything. Uh, years ago, I was out shopping with my wife and a family friend of ours, uh, and we were in a parking lot, and uh, I had pulled up to a, a parking spot and was waiting for the car in front of me to move when the car in front of me decided they were going to back up and pull into the parking spot that because they had just driven past it. Um, and they motioned for me to back up so that they could take the spot. I didn't. I sat there until they moved out of my way, and then I pulled into the parking spot. 
Well, this made the fellow in the car enraged, and he decided to get out and challenge me in a physical manner. Um, I didn't respond. I just I didn't even look at him. I just sat in the truck until he uh, decided to move along, and then I pulled out and left and decided we just weren't going to shop at that store. It just wasn't worth it because it's like he was going to hurt me. I was going to hurt him. The police would have been called. It wouldn't have done any, any good. But anyway, as he walked off, he had a toothpick that he'd been chewing on, and he threw it at the car, and it landed on the hood. And the family friend who was with us is a lawyer. And being a lawyer, she said, that was a battery. And I said, no, it was a toothpick. She said, no, that was assault and battery. Him throwing that toothpick was battery. We could arrest, have him arrested for that. That's how lawyers think. He threw a toothpick wow. at my car. But to a lawyer, that was assault and battery. So, Mark, what is the definition of assault and battery? What is, what's, the def, what's the difference between assault and battery? Assault is making a physical uh, a threat, threatening violence. Battery is actually touching somebody with your hand or with something else. Here's a, here's a quiz for you, since we're doing ver- word quizzes. Can somebody out there, I could, if you want me to, tell you the difference between burglary, burglary theft, and robbery? No, Aaron, please tell us. I'm not sure, really. I was making that up. Okay. No, um, robbery is whenever you <clears throat> take something from somebody by threat of force. Burglary is when you break into somewhere and take something. And then theft is when you just take something. So I walk up to you with a gun and say, give me your bicycle. That's, that's robbery. I break into your garage and take your bicycle. That's burglary. You leave your bicycle out in front of the Walmart, and I get on your bicycle and ride off. That's theft. Okay. I may or may not be accurate on that. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not a lawyer, and I don't play one on TV. But I do know the difference between geriatrics and gerontology, because I looked that up today. So how illegal is it to keep an overdue library book? See, that was not a bad transition. That wasn't terrible. That was uh, good. For almost 100 years. Uh, a woman in the Chicago area uh, returned a book, uh, an overdue copy of The Picture of Dorian Gray, that was checked out in 1934 by her mother. There, her mother checked it out, um, uh, died apparently at some point in the past. Uh, the daughter found the book and was afraid to return it because they, she thought she might be arrested because she was thinking, how big must this fine be? Uh, so apparently the Chicago Library uh, periodically does an amnesty where there are no, they waive all fees for overdue, overdue books. So the last time they did that 20 years ago, 77,000 items were returned. So people were keeping them afraid to pay the fee. They uh, only wanted 800 of them back. <laughs> right. And uh, this book was very rare. It was a, a, a copy of a picture of Dorian Gray. Um and it was it's very rare it's hard to to come by and and had been missing obviously for 80 years almost uh so the the ruth lednicer um god bless you <laughs> thank you uh said uh she said the woman kept saying you're not going to arrest me are you and she said no we're happy you brought it back and then she found out that uh the library caps late fines at 10 bucks so the most you could ever pay is $10. <laughs> That's awesome. That's what they need. That's the word they need to get out. I mean, I think a lot of those books would come back if they knew that the most they were going to pay is $10. Yeah, I uh, had a, a book when I was a kid that it was a, a, a Snoopy comic book, a book of comics. 
that I checked out over the summer and then lost and found like two years later. And I took it back in the small town library and said, well, the fine on that is like $275 or we'll sell you the book for $3 provided you donate it back to the library. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I bought the book for $3 and then donated it back to them. Makes me think of that Seinfeld episode with the phone police. I don't know if you've never seen that. I'm sure you can find it on, online somewhere. It's a hilarious episode. No, it's the, it's the library police. The library cop. Oh yes, the library comes cop. after comes after Seinfeld because he's got a library book that's 25 years overdue, and the guy who plays the library cop is just awesome. <clears throat> okay, so Man, um, I, could, I could use a snack after that story. <laughs> yeah, 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 a candy uh, bar maybe. The the Mars Company has recently uh, notified a uh, um, a bar a, a pub in Scotland. Pub. That their deep fried Mars bars, I love this quote, you have to get this exactly right, are, quote, not in line with the company's policy of promoting, uh, promoting a healthy, active lifestyle. Well, Mark, you left out my favorite part of the sentence. It's famous for which the chocolate covered nougat maker says <laughs> is not alive. So this pub has been frying, deep frying Mars bars. Uh, a Mars bar, in case you don't know, is very similar to a Snickers bar. It's the the European version of a of a Snickers, or or maybe probably closer to a Three Musketeer. Actually, um, yeah, it's it's chocolate and nougat and caramel, uh, and it's Mars is the parent sister company of M&M Mars. Anyway, uh, they don't sell Mars bars in the U.S. that I know of. Uh, but in Europe, they're big. And this com- com- this uh, pub has been selling deep-fried Mars bars for 20 years. And uh, the owner says that people come from all over the world, that they've come from America and Japan uh, and, and you know, uh, every, everywhere else to order a deep-fried Mars bars. Uh, and apparently there was some recent uh, publicity about it and the Mars company didn't like it. And so they they had to <laughs> Well, they were they were essentially trying to patent it. Well, there know, was talk it, about it, it and they decided it wasn't right. worth it, basically is what it was. Right. Um you can't patent art. And that's a thing in art. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, uh Charlie Watson said uh, the owner said we quote we've been selling this deep fried Mars product for 20 years and this is the first time we've heard from Mars. Uh, the letter came after newspapers reported that the Watsons were considered applying for a secured status, which is just simply a copyright, a copyright or something like that, for their invention under the European Union's, Union's quote, protected food name scheme. And they decided they weren't going to do it because it was too complicated and, and it was cost money, and they just wanted deep-fried candy bars and sell them to people. But Mars had to step in and say, we, we promote a healthy, active lifestyle with our chocolate and nougat. And if you fry it, that ruins the whole thing. And if you're curious about this, the Mars bar was relaunched in the United States in 2010 after being discontinued in 2002. Oh, there you go. So you can go fry your own. You don't have to go all the way to Scotland or wherever that was. (laughs) So otherwise, if you don't fry it, it's perfectly healthy. (laughs) Exactly. I just like the last sentence. It says, our last paragraph. We get visitors from all over the world, like you mentioned. I saw an Italian book on Scotland the other day. We were right next to Dunatar Castle. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's hilarious. We were right next to the big chicken in the book about Marietta. And so while we're in the uh, UK area, 
we're not. This is Russia, but it, the article was on a UK website. How's that? I'm really struggling this week. Um, I'm calling this one, at least he had a healthy self-image. <clears throat> a Russian man wanted to see if his girlfriend really would love him till death do they part. So he hired uh, a movie crew, a director, stuntmen, the, the whole bit, a script writer, uh, makeup artists, and they staged a car wreck at the place where he had arranged to meet his girlfriend. And when she got there, he was lying bloody in the road and an actor playing a, a policeman said that he was dead and she was heartbroken and uh, crying where he sprung up and said, surprise, will you marry me? And she that said, yes. like such a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, but my favorite thing is the the almost the last line the the second of the last line is he quotes I wanted her to realize how empty her life would be without me and how life would have no meaning without me. Now that man has a healthy self image. <laughs> <laughs> wow, your life is meaningless without me. Here, let me prove it. You know, it's he's just lucky that she didn't go. Huh, oh well. Right. or finally <laughs> now i can stop slowly int introducing poison into his food over uh, over years <laughs> but the the picture you have to go to the website and click on it he's all bloody and grinning like like some weird grinning bloody person and they're toasting with champagne <laughs> and he and she's happy and it's just bizarre she says, I was so cross, I almost killed him again, but for real this time. <laughs> but apparently she decided, okay. To marry him instead. It's a good joke. I'll go ahead and marry the guy. Yeah. <laughs> kill him, marry him. Eh. That's the cruelest the thing ever. Wow. I mean, my wife is in the chat room. Honey, if I had proposed to you by faking my own death, would we be married today? Wait 45 seconds for a broadcast delay. Right. Satellite going up, transmitting, satellite coming down. And while she's thinking about I don't think so, she said. Thank you. That's <laughs> she's not, not, now, Mark, is that a, I want you to help me interpret that. Is that a, I don't think so, or I don't think so. Which one is it? That's a, I'm trying to be nice because you're on the air. That's okay. what that is. That's a, there have been times I wondered why I've married you anyway. <laughs> Okay. Yes. So moving right along to stupid people, um, India really needs to work on their world history curriculum. <laughs> a, fe a fellow by the name of Rajesh Shah has opened a clothing store called Hitler, and the I is dotted with a handy little swastika. And he claims he didn't know <laughs> that there was a famous world leader by the same name. Never heard of him. Didn't know. Said I didn't. It was only when I, I was going to say it was only when the store opened up I learned Hitler had killed six million people. <laughs> so uh, his uh, father, I think he said, uh, grandfather. The nickname of the show is uh, store uh, is named after his uh, co-owner's grandfather, who was called Hitler because he was so strict. And so they thought it would be funny 
to name a clothing store Hitler. And he says, uh, I didn't know how much the name would disturb people. I was only, it was only when the store opened that I had learned that Hitler had killed six million people. <laughs> wow. I, I don't... How is that even possible? I mean, I, I understand India is, is largely third world in a lot of areas, and maybe he grew up in the ghettos of, and, and you know, uh, fighting for garbage and then finally came up and is now a self-made man and we should be applauding him. I mean, is that like, that's like you naming know? a Kool-Aid stand Jonestown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, that, was, that was bad, but also a great show title. Yes. Um, yeah, I just, I don't get it. Um, but, I mean, he even, even dotted the I with a swastika, right? So it's not like, hey, this is a cool name. I mean, he clearly recognized the significance of that. And it wasn't until some Jews were shopping in there that uh, that they complained about it. And he was like, "What? I don't know what you're talking about." Maybe one, maybe his grandfather was one of those cute junior high kids and would sign his name and instead of a heart over the eye, he'd do a swastika. <laughs> he says he's happy to change the name, but only if somebody pays him for the cost of a new sign. Forty thousand rupees, or roughly forty thousand rupees, <laughs> or eight bucks. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's about a thousand U.S. Uh, so, you know, it's a nice sign, but he says, uh, he was caught off guard because no one complained about the Hitler opening shortly banner they'd had up for over a month. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That's just funny. Not that he has a store named Hitler, but just that he said nobody complained about the. And so sticking with dumb people. Maybe uh, Brooklyn should actually take um, lessons from India on how to educate their populace. Because Representative Yvette Clark of Brooklyn uh, on the Colbert Show says that the Dutch enslaved blacks in Brooklyn as late as 1898. Now, I'm not from Brooklyn, and I've never been a slave. But my basic understanding of U.S. history says that timeline is not quite right. Uh, World War, the Civil War was well over by 1898. Uh, in fact, uh, the slavery was outlawed. Uh, oh, 30 plus yeah, years before uh, that. Long before 1827. that. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm having a hard time accepting that. But if I were from Brooklyn, I would know that the Dutch actually ceded New Amsterdam, which became New York, to the English in 1674. So she's not only 30 years late, uh, or almost 70 years late, uh, for slavery, but she's 200 years late regarding who was in charge. Well, if you're going to have a fictional boss man, (laughs) at this point, what does it really matter how many years you're off if it's 10 or 200? I mean, that's just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Stupid? I, I, I'm, no, I'm trying. What's the I, insignificant? No, uh, it's it the 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 attempt to grandstand and right. bring a racial political issue into what is really a comedy show. The Colbert Report is comedy. It should, yeah. you know, right? And um, Colbert, you know, uh, was making a joke, and the quote is: yeah. "Some have called Brooklyn's decision to become part of New York City quote the greatest mistake of 1898." If you could get in a time machine and go back to 1898, what would you say to those Brooklynites? And her response, I would say to them, set me free. Yeah, he, he was looking for something like, 
um you know don't walk out you know don't walk the streets after dark or you know right never forget to tip the cabbie you know just some kind of yeah. off the, the cuff kind of funny thing not and, and colbert pushed and said free from what and she said slavery slavery really? really i didn't realize there was slavery in brooklyn in 1898 i'm pretty sure there was clark continued who would have been enslaving you in 1898 in new york and her answer the dutch <laughs> crazy i love stephen colbert i mean regardless of his political true political leanings he is a comic genius yeah. uh, i saw him one time get a, a democratic senator um state senator uh he was interviewing him and he said you know what'd be really fun just just i want to just say something that you normally wouldn't say like say i love crack yeah. <laughs> and he got the guy to do it and the guy ended up resigning <laughs> over it which i think is actually hilarious um it was so I, I can I could go on for hours about some of the the brilliant moments I've seen on his show. Now let's let's not um, forget here. This isn't a, a game of gotchaism. Okay, now um, this is not asking Mitt Romney uh, or even Barack Obama. You know, neither of which are from New York. But this is she is the representative from Brooklyn. Right, she represents so this bad. place, and she is hundreds of years off on her history. And and people are electing her uh, repeatedly, apparently. That's awesome. Said Clark, a former city councilwoman came under scrutiny for lying in a campaign literature in 2004 and five by claiming she graduated from Oberlin College. She attended the school but didn't graduate. She blamed a bad memory for those misrepresentations. I don't remember if I graduated. <laughs> I, I just can't recall whether or not I completed my degree program and got a diploma. Okay, so she's a good politician. <laughs> yeah. Right. And of I course, mean, her response after all this was, it's supposed to be humorous. It was a joke. It's a comedy yeah. show. Okay, I'll give her that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Sure, why not? All right. Moving right along. Um, <laughs> and this one, tying in from last week's uh, show title, I'm calling this one, If Only He Had Two Monkeys. <laughs> because the the headline alone is enough to make this one good. Joshua Shelton killed 70,000 chickens while drunk, police say. <laughs> I don't really even need to read the rest of the show, uh, the story, do I? Uh, I know some guys that have killed 70,000 wings. <laughs> this was in, Mar oh, yeah, that was an article I didn't put in there, but uh, uh, just while you mentioned that. The, at a, a wing-eating competition this week, a guy set a new record for eating 191 wings in 12 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Nice. That's unreal. And he probably That's weighed like 115 pounds. <laughs> but Joshua Shelton, uh, a Maryland man, um, <laughs> he's 21 years old. He was found <laughs> – I'm sorry, I'm cracking up to read this. Um, he was found lying – in the chicken house's power control, wearing only a t-shirt and boxers, smelling of alcohol, and sitting in a puddle of his own urine. <laughs> and somehow, in, in his drunken stupor, he turned off the airflow to three chicken houses. And they, they began to overheat and didn't get enough air, and 70,000 plus of them died. Now, you know, this, this kills me, though, Mark. They say that those chickens were worth about $20,000. So that's like, what, 
30, 35 cents a chicken. chicken. Is that right? Yeah. Bo Pilgrim sells them for a lot more, doesn't he? Right. <laughs> that's just, that's crazy. Uh, wow. You know, we could, we could talk about the, uh, the animal cruelty aspect of that and say 30,000 chickens pressed together so closely that their own body heat kills them if they don't have air conditioning. That's, you know, that's not a great thing. Um, and that there were 70,000 chickens in three small buildings, you know, that's not awesome. It says without power, the chickens will begin to die within 15 minutes. Uh, so they, they really need, um, that airflow and of the 70,000, all but about a hundred thousand of them, uh, excuse me, all but about a hundred of them were dead the next morning. That's, that's very sad. It's sad. He's, he's our honorary junior scumbag of the week. <laughs> Just idiot of the week. I mean, he's... <laughs> He's naked, and, and it's not in this article. It was another article where I said, read that he was in a pool of his own urine because um, I like to research these things and get the full story. Um, he, he didn't used to work at a monkey research facility. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Maybe it was the same guy. But, yeah, apparently he got out and tied one on, and they say that the owners of the chicken farm know him, so he's, you know, he's not just some stranger. Um, but he got drunk and shut off the power and killed the chickens. Yeah, okay. Now that's wow. not as funny as I thought it was. If only he'd had two monkeys. <laughs> that was that was one of the great yeah. all-time show titles. And now I have one of the best um X for a cure things I've ever heard of. Walk for a, the a, cure, race for the cure. Agreed. Uh, yeah, all of these fundraiser. This one is squeeze a boob, stop AIDS. Yes, please. I'll take two. Um, in Japan. You do realize your wife is listening, right? <laughs> yes, <now>. I do. <laughs> and when we're done, I'll go squeeze her boobs. Um, a, fun- <laughs> a fundraiser in Japan uh, was part of the, uh, quote, erotica will save the world event. Uh, took place uh, last week in Tokyo. Um, ten ladies who are called Opai Momi. Uh, models apparently opai momi is japanese for squeeze a boob and there are like uh bars where you can go in and pay to squeeze women's boobs like, go figure um and there's you know there's a picture here uh, you can uh, go to the show notes and look at it these uh, these women are qualified for the position um <laughs> but uh, 10 of them lined up and men and women i guess i'm sure it was mostly men uh, stood in line and they had to uh, uh, first check their ID to make sure they were uh, 18 years old. Uh, then they gave money. I don't think it says how much money, but they, they gave some money and they were allowed to pick a model and squeeze um, the boobs. You got two squeezes per hand. And uh, if you weren't satisfied with that, you go back to the end of the line and start over again. And billions of dollars were raised. No, I, I made it that part up. <laughs> I don't want to know what they come up with to cure testicular cancer. <laughs> <laughs> says, wow. Ope Mome, the practice of allowing people to squeeze their breasts in exchange for money is popular at some Japanese bars. This was the first time it had been carried out in public. <laughs> and there are some promotional videos if you want to watch it. <laughs> What a great idea. (laughs) (laughs) Squeeze a boob, stop AIDS. 
I would say only in America, but it's not. In it's America. not. It's in Japan. Yeah, you, you know, you don't. <laughs> only in Japan. You think of Japan as being more repressed than that, right? Or at least I do. They generally are. Yeah. I mean, I lived there for two years. I would say yes. This is kind of shocking, but but they can be that way. I mean, you then you go and you they have some TV shows that just blow your mind. You're like, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Oh, so maybe that's it. They're so repressed that these little really weird things come out. Yeah. I forgot the one of the important step. You line up, you check your ID, you donate money, you sterilize your hands because who knows where those things have been. Then you squeeze the breasts. So I didn't, I didn't want to be uh, guilty of inaccurate reporting. They, they don't mention how much your donation has to be, do they? No, I don't, it, I don't know that they, if there was a minimum. Wow. So Opai Momai. If you're uh, looking for the fundraiser, I'd, you Element know, Opai Momay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering how, you know, you see all these NFL guys wearing pink, right, for the month of October for breast cancer. Maybe if they had one of these things, um, they could, they could, they would definitely raise awareness, right? People would be aware uh, of this event going on. Yes. <laughs> I wonder how many women did it. Because anyway, uh-huh. all right. Uh, wall and I'm I'm sorry. I'm just staring at the picture, trying to process that information. My mind is blown. Um, and in uh, sticking in the vein of the just weird stuff that people do, um, an unwashed pair of Elvis undies are expected to pull down as much as ten thousand pounds at an auction this week. Um, it's, it's underwear that he wore on stage during a show and there's like pictures of him with the underwear and the underwear with, with a clear, um, remnant on them (laughs) (laughs) being auctioned as part of Elvis, Elvis memorabilia (laughs) and people they're expecting, uh, 10,000 pounds, which is, uh, $25,000 ish. If my exchange rate is right. I mean, do you think that's realistic? Are people really going to pay that kind of money for, for Elvis's dirty underwear? Oh, yes. Absolutely. It also, There's- other uh, items in the auction are his annotated Holy Bible, in which he underlined passages such as, what, may it, uh, what is the man uh, advantaged if he gained the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? Including okay. also home movies of his wife Priscilla. I wonder if he's squeezing her boobs in any of them. <laughs> Straight from the Bible to boob squeezing. That's what we got here. We got the full gamut for you in this show. That's right. Somebody write that one down. From I got Bible it. It's on the list. Squeezing. <laughs> that might be a winner. I, 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 the only thing I have to say about that one is just you. Um, this next one is kind of cool, though. Um, in well I, I won't tell you the date just yet but uh off the coast of scotland uh some time back um uh an experiment was done where lots of uh m- notes were put in bottles and it was an experiment to test um ocean currents and it said if you find this thing uh uh right where you found it what day it was and send it back to this address 
and it was picked up this week uh, after 98 years. That bottle had been floating around since 1914 when this, this experiment took place. That's a long time in the ocean. And that's just was, really cool. It was probably wrinkled by then. All pruny. <laughs> said inside each bottle, a postcard asks the finder to record the details and promises the reward of a sixpence. Unfortunately, there's no such thing as a sixpence anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they use euro now. Uh, that's just cool to me. It is. Um, that is the international awesome. fishery uh, fishery investigations. There's a picture of the thing in there. Uh, it says please state where and when this cord was found, and then put it in the nearest post office. You'll be informed in reply where and when it was set adrift. Our object is to find out the direction of the deep currents of the North Sea. So uh, you got to wonder where that bottle's been for the last 98 years. Yeah. Okay. I thought that would stir up more conversation than that, but moving on along. That, um, that, that, that's a story that, that causes reflection. Yeah. So you hmm. think about the own currents of your life and how you drift from point to point. That's deep, man. Not, not really. <laughs> you know, it, that thing probably would have been found at some point, you know, like, some guy was on the deck of the Titanic. He's like, oh, look, a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Crap, this yeah. is no help. I'll throw it you back. Know? Right. Then the Lusitania comes floating by. Oh, look, a bottle. <laughs> right. I can, from the Hindenburg, I can see a bottle down there. Amelia <laughs> <laughs> right. Earhart signed it. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, this next article I'm calling, There's Something You Don't See Every Day. Uh, the location isn't listed specifically, but it's somewhere in, uh, no, wait, I'm sorry, there it is, near Pernith, Cumbria. That helps, right? Uh, yeah. Owner Philip Armstrong had noticed that one of his cows had gone missing, a 660-pound calf called Sparkle. Well, Sparkle had fallen off a cliff almost 100 feet down, and landed in a tree where he was stuck. So what do you do when you have an animal stuck in a tree? Uh, get a chainsaw and cut cut it up. Oh, you call the fire department. Oh, I, I meant the animal. <laughs> if you're stuck, if you've got an animal, if you've got a cat stuck in a tree, you call the fire department. Well, that's what they did. They called the fire department um, after four hours. Uh, they managed to get the uh, animal... Um, sedated and then winced it to safety and the animal's fine, bruised, beat up but just fine but uh, that's just bizarre the animal, he fell 100 feet and then got stuck in a tree, walking along hey, there's a cow in that tree show title (laughs) (laughs) well, you know, what's funny, the funniest part of this article to me, Mark, and this is one of the ones I was chuckling at before the show is the the horrible photoshopping job yes. that I did as a reenactment in the article. I mean, it, it is awesome. Yeah, you you just picture picture like a, a a one of those animated where like the mouth just moves and it moves yes. a little bit and says moo and you know right. yeah because it is a terrible. It's a picture of a cow and a picture of a, t- a tree and the twain are slammed together not too yeah. carefully. And I, and I really do love that last sentence. The vet checked the cow over and it seemed reasonably happy. <laughs> <laughs> considering all the things that had happened. Tell me how you feel. He's extremely tired and exhausted <laughs> and quite a deep state of shock. 
Yeah, what does a happy cow look like? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Wow. What does an unhappy cow look? I mean, the cows have one look, right? Right. They, right. It's a cow-eyed look. Yeah. You, you see, you see it on like uh, what Animal Planet. You know, when the dude puts on the 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 rubber glove that goes to his <laughs> his shoulder, right? Yes. And even when that's going on, there's. He no still looks racially happy. The yeah, the cow just kind of looks back and goes, what, what's going on there? <laughs> uh, can we go back to the boob squeezing story one more time? Because that's more interesting. That uh, was. But what would be more interesting is if I don't think we've made a visit to Florida That's yet. right. We can't have Florida. a periodic table show without a Florida to- a topic. And I don't, honestly, I swear I've said it many times, I don't go looking for these. I don't set out to find Florida. It's just a weird place. And there's lots of weirdies in Florida. <laughs> well, it's near the tip of the of the Bermuda Triangle, isn't it? It's, it's some, if it isn't, it should be. We need to move the Bermuda Triangle over it. By the way, comment from the chat room. Jim says, an unhappy cow looks like a ribeye. Ah, there we go. yes. So in Vero Beach, how many of these are from Vero Beach or Vero County? That's like the epicenter of weirdness. Um, <laughs> a man by the name of... I just lost it. Wheeler. Last name is Wheeler. First name is Robert. Robert Wheeler is uh, 48 years old, weighs about 340 pounds, has a tattoo of the word fat on one arm and boy on the other. So uh, clearly his nickname is Boy Fat. Um, (laughs) And a Santa Claus beard. (laughs) uh, He's a big, burly biker dude. You know, what you would expect from a 350 pound man called Boy Fat. Um, show title <laughs> i've already got his nickname is boy fat as a show title um a pizza deli- delivery boy showed up at his house and uh on uh, ninth street southwest at vero beach um and the driver said who did i uh, he rolled the driver rolled down his window and and robert said who did i speak to on the phone and well he, he told him his name and then wheeler punched him in the face and said give that to the guy i talked to on the phone when you get back because they forgot <laughs> the garlic knots not the garlic knots. Oh, my favorite part of the article, Mark, though, is when the author Will Greenley. Which, by the way, there's a little sidebar about who he is. We need to have him as our first guest on the show. <laughs> Funny, yeah. This is what he does. He he investigates the weird, the wild, the wacky. But anyway, so he's telling the story. He's got the narrative going. Side note: Garlic knots are buttery, garlicky knots of dough, <laughs> often pizza dough that many consider positively scrumptious. Violence is not typically associated with garlic knots. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the police deliverer said Wheeler instructed, <laughs> and he goes back to the narrative. Yeah. It's awesome. That is the most awesome part. So he punches him in the face, says, give that to the person working on the phone back at the restaurant, and uh, said that they owed him the garlic knots. I guess he felt he had paid for them and didn't get them. <laughs> so that's the way Boy Fat handles his frustration. <laughs> so uh, now he is uh, rotting in the the uh, jail there in Vero County, Florida, and uh, shall be somebody's boy bitch, I guess. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm going to email Will Green. You might offend Mark. somebody. <laughs> Heaven forbid I be offensive on this show. <laughs> can, I, can I email him? You go right ahead. I'm going to. I'm going I'm to copy you, Mark. I'm going to copy Sean. Dot right. elementop.com. Because, yeah, he, we've done a lot of his stories on the show, actually. 
Um, we I've I've gone to his be, uh, his blog a number of times and found Florida shows. Yeah, it'd be interesting to talk to him just about the wealth there in Florida for stories like this. So I'm here's saying. this is this <laughs> is the actual affidavit. He he has a scan of the affidavit on his website. So I'm just going to read it because it's funny. Um, at uh, eight nineteen twelve, approximately seventeen forty five hours, I responded to uh, address that I won't say it. Uh, upon arrival, I found the caller. Uh, outside of the vehicle waiting on us, stated that he worked as a pizza delivery person and was de- delivering pizza. And he said that when he arrived, Robert Wheeler was waiting for him outside. And when he rolled down his window, Wheeler asked him who he'd talked to on the phone and then punched him just below his left eye. Wheeler punched him because he forgot the garlic knots. He stated that Wheeler told him to give that to the person working back on the phone in the restaurant. And I did not observe major injury, but slight redness and swelling below the left eye. He denied medical attention and provided a written statement, and I took photographs of him. <laughs> then I spoke to the defendant, Robert Wheeler. His statement was consistent with the victim's statement, so he didn't disagree with any of it. <laughs> Wheeler admitted striking uh, him once in the face. However, Wheeler did comment that the issue was not over forgetting the garlic knots with the pizza, but over money that the restaurant owes him. The defendant was placed into custody and transported into the India River County Jail. <laughs> that's, that's what police sergeants have to do. <laughs> they go home and write stuff like that after hours. Wheeler probably, he probably didn't even leave a tip. <laughs> His tip was bring the dang garlic knots next time. What a, what a jerk. <laughs> so yeah, boy fat is not a big tipper. So Aaron, you were going to say something? I don't remember. Okay. Probably wasn't important. No. I think I was just going to read to you as I was typing the email, and then I realized that's not good radio. (laughs) Reading the affidavit probably wasn't either. Uh, So, that is our last episode. Uh, Our last uh, last episode. That's it. We've had a good run, Mark. We've had a good run. (laughs) It's been good. It's been nice knowing you. Uh, No, it's our last uh, news story for this episode, unless either of you bothered to bring anything. No. He he says with slight condensation in his voice. (laughs) <laughs> condemnation you mean condescension not condensation yeah. my voice is actually dripping water at this His voice point. is slightly humid tonight, Mark. it's late and i've had it's a really humid story <laughs> i'm i'm getting the cunt okay so <laughs> wow <laughs> it's it's that hitler's store that did it to me if you would like to submit stories as jim did and make my life easier. Thank you, Jim. Uh, you can do that by going to elementop.com and either going to the forums, finding the periodic table forum and making your comments known there, or you can click the contact us button and paste what you want to do there in the form, or you can always email me or Sean directly, mark at elementop.com or Sean at elementop.com. That is our place. Aaron, how could people contact you if they want to uh, share the love about Florida or chickens or anything else? If you just email uh, IHateFlorida at gmail.com, not really. (laughs) We love Florida. Uh, Seriously, the easiest way to get a hold of me is double A-R-O-N. That's Aaron at OneMealOneWorkout.com. The number one meal, number one workout.com. And Mr. Keibel, how about yourself? 
Uh, you can email me, Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at elementopie.com, or you can find me uh, on Facebook if you just search Sean Kybel, K-I-B-E-L, or you can find me on Twitter uh, at Sean T-X. Excellent. And I already told you how to find me, elementopie.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter or the Facebooks or whatever, uh, just search Mark Cockrell. I'm not terribly creative with my names. And... Uh, Hope to see you around. Um, keep the show titles and new stuff coming. And yes. uh, thanks for being a listener. And for now, we're done with this episode of The Periodic Table.